Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert Dr. Joe Beam and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Welcome to Relationship Radio. I'm joined by Roseanne here in Utah. Hi, Roseanne. Hello. Um, We're just going to spend some time learning a bit more about Roseanne's story, about her marriage, about how she found out Marriage Helper. So let's start off, Roseanne, with how you met your husband. Okay. (laughs) We met when I was 18. Um, I cruise in Maine, cruise in Main Street in here in our town. Um, my friend had an issue with a boy that she liked and she was really sad. And I said, don't worry, we're going to find you a new guy. We'll go cruise Maine. And, <laughs> and we went cruising Maine the next weekend. And, um, I guess long story short, we both ended up finding our husbands that night. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, his friend, she married his friend and I married him. Wow. What a story. So what attracted to you to your husband when you first met him? Um, it was uh, definitely a physical attraction at first, you know, you first see them and um, we, you could say I was pretty irresponsible, I guess. I, we, we saw them driving on main street and they said, pull over. So we pulled over and, um, we ended up getting in the car with them and going on a drive. <laughs> and, Not advisable um, for everyone listening. <laughs> no, it probably wasn't a good idea, but thankfully they weren't kidnappers or something. But um, but my friend opened the door to the back, the, the back door and he was sitting there and she was like, get in. I'm like, she's going to let me sit by this guy. <laughs> like I was, I was pretty excited. And um, anyway, I just, I guess it just went from there. We just kind of started dating and there we go. <laughs> so how long ago was this? Um, gosh. Okay. So I was 18. So 19 years ago. Wow. And you were just a child right yes, then. Yes. <laughs> so how long did yeah. you date before you got married? Um, we got engaged after dating for about a year and then got married um, six months later. So I was almost 20 and he was almost 21 when we got married. So I was just going to say he was my first boyfriend 
I never had a boyfriend before that. And, um, I guess I found the right person <laughs> for the first, first, um, first boyfriend. But anyway. Um, so we, we hear from a lot of people at Marriage Helper that got married young like that. Um, I think that would be considered young for a lot of people. So what were some of the challenges of, of being so young and being married? Um, well, like I said, he was my first boyfriend. I hadn't had any relationship experience. Um, and like not really even any dating, like I'd been on dates, but I'd never been on probably more than two or three dates with a single person. Um, so just no, no experience in relationships, um, besides seeing the relationships around me, which had issues <laughs> and just like, um, having a picture in my head of how it was supposed to be being a newlywed and being so attracted to each other and in love with each other and the way that I thought it was going to be. And it wasn't. And, um, it was rough from the beginning. I think just not, I think I would say it was probably mostly having expectations. I wanted it to be like, we're so in love. We're newlyweds. We just can't, you know, can't keep our hands off each other. When he walks in, I hug him and he hugs me and we're so excited. And, and it just wasn't like that. There was always distance that I didn't want between us. Um, so there, um, I guess just to share a little bit about that, there were some addiction issues that I, um, that I wasn't aware of. And I believe that that is part of the reason that there was a wall up between us. So my expectations and his expectations and the addiction things, and it just, there's just, uh, just a wall, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. Um, that we never really broke down. And I, um, I tried in my own way, um, to communicate with him, what I expected, what I needed, what I wanted. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't the best communication because I didn't know what I was doing, but I never, we never connected. And so at some point in the first five years of our marriage, I switched something in my mind where I said, he doesn't want a connection with me in that way. So I'm going to not try anymore and I'm not going to cry about it anymore. And I kind of built my own life outside of him. Although I was with, you know, I was married to him and I was happy with him because I was able to turn off that part and not try to build the emotional connection anymore. Like I wanted it. And I thought he just didn't want it. I thought he just, um, it was a thing that it just wasn't him that he just never wanted to be emotionally connected the way I wanted to. Um, so I stopped trying and, um, come to find out he actually really, did need an emotional connection. We just didn't know how to do it. What were some of the ways that you tried to emotionally connect that didn't work at the beginning? Um, it was stupid ways. <laughs> I, 
like, for example, I, I would, it, it doesn't make any sense right now saying it, but at the moment I was like, he should understand what I'm wanting right now. And, um, so, so when I would be sitting on the couch watching TV, um, and he would come in, he would walk over and sit in a chair across the room and watch TV from over there. And I was like, this is not okay. Like he should want to sit by me. He sh we should just, you know, we should be snuggling and stuff, you know? And, um, and so I would just make comments. I would just be like, why are you sitting over there? Like, you don't want to be by me and just dumb things like that. Instead of saying, Hey, this is how this makes me feel. I just made dumb comments that I thought would show how I was feeling through my comments. So it wasn't really effective at all. It just kind of made, I think it probably just made him feel more separated from me. Like, what is she talking about? Like, <laughs> cause I just didn't know how to communicate it. Right. Which is so common. I mean, we say no one ever teaches you how to be married. It's not like they teach you that at school. Um, so you talked a lot there about expectations. So you had a whole lot of expectations. It sounded like he did as well and they weren't meeting. So why, why in those first five years did you not just give up and say, that's it, I'm done with this marriage? Why did you, why did you resign yourself to, I'm just going to have my own life? I, um, so that's a, that's a hard question to answer and it might not sound good. <laughs> um, I guess several reasons. I didn't want to fail. I do love him. I did love him. I wanted to be with him. I wanted it to work. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to have all of my dreams with him. Um, also I think, I don't know. I didn't, like I mentioned, I didn't grow up seeing healthy relationship. Um, I guess I just thought there are pieces that I just won't have. I think that's, I think that's great. And I think a lot of people can identify with that. It's like, you know, almost we're sold a fairy tale of what marriage should be like, but the reality can be so different. And then there can be different reactions that you have that some people can just be like, that's it, I'm done. And other people can be like, okay, this is it for me. Um, like you say, make the best of it. Um, but it, so at some point, at some point in your marriage, it came to a crisis point where things came to a head. So, so what happened? What happened at that? Um, well, can I say, I should say this too, if you don't mind. Um, there were, I make it sound like it was all miserable and it wasn't, we had some really great times. Um, and especially like when, when the addiction and stuff came to an end, um, there was a closeness that we hadn't had before. And, and there were some really, really good times. Um, but again, when that ended more walls went up because at very shortly after that ended, um, I had our first baby and, um, and then my family opened a business and I quickly became in charge. <laughs> it wasn't my plan, but I quickly became in charge of the business and, then we had four more kids and it was just a lot of the, the times when we could have been growing our relationship and getting closer, there were just things coming in between us that just kept us busy. And, um, so even when that addiction ended, 
there were new walls that came up. Um, so you asked when it got worse, I guess. Um, and, um, we have, I feel like a lot of the relationship stories have like this perfect, terrible puzzle where it's like this person's issues and that person's issues fit together so perfectly to destroy things. Um, and, and it, it was that way for us, um, without sharing, um, things that would, that other people wouldn't want me to share. Um, a close family member of mine went to prison when I was 16. And, um, my husband is a deputy sheriff. So me seeing what I, what I view as injustices to the person that I love and him being a deputy has, has really clashed a lot of times. And I, I felt that he understood what I was going through um, because he had seen me be devastated and, and really upset over some of these issues. Um, and I thought he understands what I'm going through and the way that he saw it. And I understand now is that I was not respecting him and his job and that I was um, tearing him down to our kids and things like that. Um, and it, it was not on purpose. Um, but like I said, it's that perfect, terrible puzzle that just messed things up. So my, um, my stance on like freedom issues has been really, really strong, um, forever. But since that happened, it's been stronger and just like, um, doing things like, you know, protests and, and, um, and, other things that I've taken a strong stance on that have really, really pushed him away. I had no idea that it was, um, which sounds dumb at this point, but at that, at that point, I didn't know at some point he just disappeared from our lives. Um, I feel like there wasn't much of a warning. Um, Um, it was the beginning ish of last summer, summer 2021, maybe, maybe spring 2021. He just stopped coming home from work, um, at a normal time. Um, and, uh, when he was home, he was distant. The kids would be like, where's dad? And I'd say, I don't know. Dad does his own thing. He, I don't, I don't know. He's checked the basement check the storage room, check his truck. He's not, I don't know. Um, and I started getting really just done with being alone. Um, and so at some point, um, probably getting close to fall, I just, I was really angry with the situation. I had no idea what was going on with him. I just thought he doesn't want to be part of our family. He just doesn't want to. So, um, so I ended up texting him some things about, um, about what was going on with us. And, um, we had a, some long 
long text messages back and forth of, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Just kind of like, this is why I'm mad at you. And this is what I'm, um, what I'm doing and, and things like that. And I was just mad. I was just like, he's wrong. He's wrong. This is not, you know, this isn't right. He's abandoning us. He's, he's wrong. And I did some big pushes at that time. Like I even, um, I feel like the way that I describe it and I've described it this way to him too, in just, um, in relationship talks that maybe I shouldn't have had, (laughs) but I, the way that I picture it finally, after kind of understanding what I've, what I did at that time and kind of over the years is that I don't know who dug our pit, but whether it was him or me or both of us, there's been a pit that we dug and through my text messages to him and my actions about what we texted about, I feel like I shoved him into the pit um, and pushed him away much further than he already was. And, um, my only option now is to just build a ladder and hope that he climbs it. And, and I'm not blaming it all on myself. I'm, um, but anyway, I, we texted back and forth. He ended up sharing with me, um, that he had started drinking, um, to deal with the issues. And I took that as a very personal, like he's drinking to deal with me. And, Um, and I was very, I was just mad. I was really mad and hurt that he would do that. And, um, because we grew up in a religion where we were taught that you shouldn't drink. And I just thought it's stupid. Why is he doing this? Um, I, I, the day before my birthday, which is mid-September, we ended up having a big, a big yelling, screaming fight, um, really about him. He was, he was very, very cold to me, very, very uncaring. Um, everything I said, I was just sobbing and he's like, I don't care. And, um, and I said, where's, where is the alcohol? Where are you hiding it? And he said, I'm not telling you. And I'm like, I was just, I would say in my life that I remember I've had two major, two major flooding events. And this was one of them. I, I freaked out. I threw stuff and yelled and screamed and woke up the kids and it wasn't good. Um, but he just wasn't going to tell me where, where the alcohol was and, and he didn't care. He was very cold and just, um, it was really, really painful to me. Um, and then the next day was my birthday. Um, and I ended up taking my family out to dinner because he wasn't going to do anything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm just, we're just going to go to dinner. And so I ended up taking everybody out to dinner, including him. And he spent the whole dinner on the phone. And, um, he did apologize to me, uh, for doing that, but he, he still did it. You know, he was, he was on the phone the whole time. And, um, after that we went, 
Um, we went and saw some animals at PetSmart. That's my kid's free zoo. And <laughs> so we went and saw some animals. He was on the phone the whole time there too. And then we went and got ice cream and went home and, and, um, and he was still, you know, distant, just sat on the couch and, and didn't want ice cream. The kids and I ate ice cream and I got the kids to bed and we went to bed and started talking and I was in a calmer place. Um, and we just started talking, you know, relationship things. And, um, he ended up telling me that there's another woman that, um, he actually has never at that point. I, I don't know now. I haven't had relationship talks with him for quite a while, but at that point he had never met her in person. It it's, um, it's an emotional affair. He said, um, she's his twin flame that they were created together. Um, when he said he's got new, um, beliefs and that when they were, when God created everybody, he says that he created a man and a woman together and that she is the one that was created with him. And he knows that because their connection is amazing. They just have this amazing connection with each other. And he said, sometimes it's miserable and sometimes it, it, it's amazing, but there's just this connection that is an undeniable, like it's incredible. So just and, stop in there for a second, Roseanne. So yeah. that is like, you know, we've talked to a lot of people and what you've just described there is atypical of what we call limerence, that he was in this extreme connection with someone um you know in this case with someone that wasn't his wife but that feeling of we were made for each other this is like an unknown situation um and even as you say sometimes it's amazing sometimes it's not that's quite common with the hormones that are going through the body during that time okay so as a summary of where you've got to He's distant, he's acting a jerk, he's on his phone in your birthday, um, you're screaming at him, you've calmed down, and then you find out there's another woman. You know, emotionally, but still, another woman. How, so yes. how, how were you doing right at that time? Um, that day, I was, I said to him, um, it's okay. Like it, it was an explanation to me that I was like, okay, I, I'm understanding what's happening. It's okay. And I, I tried to explain to him <laughs> what I felt that, um, it's okay. The reason you have a connection with her is because it's easy because she doesn't have an autistic child. She doesn't have a messy house. She doesn't have laundry and dishes and you don't know her mother, you know, there's no mother-in-law. And, and this is why there's a connection. It's not what you think it is. It's all these reasons and it makes sense and it's okay. We can move past this. Um, just don't ever talk to her again. And, and, you know, do you think that you can build a relationship with me if you're still talking to her and if you're still drinking and hiding these things? And he said, no. And I said, okay, then just don't ever talk to her again and, and tell me where the alcohol is. And let's, let's just, let's just move on from here. And, and he told me that he 
blocked her. Um, I made the mistake of asking for her phone number at that time. And he did end up giving it to me. Um, and then he told me that he blocked her and he told me where the alcohol was and I took it and hit it. And I thought, okay, here we are. We're starting a new thing now. We, we can do this, you know? And so I spent the next week or so just like, we can do this, you know, like trying to connect with him and he was distant and he wasn't trying. And then he got sick. Um, and he was in bed for a week and I, I slept next to him and took care of him and did everything I could for him. And he was distant, very, very distant. And, um, at one point I went in and tried to give him some like bone broth or something. And he grabbed his phone and hid it from me. And he, he met this other woman in a religious group that he had become a part of. And so he told me, I've just been texting the group and asking them to pray for me. And I'm like, well, then why, why don't you tell me? It's okay. To, just tell me, you know, just say, I wanted someone to pray for me. Why do you have to hide it? Um, so anyway, he ended up getting better and I, um, pretty much like one of the last days of his being sick. Um, he was, he was much better starting to get up and, and things on his own. And I, uh, I just was like, he, I know he'd been sick, but he was so distant that I was like, he is not trying with me. And if he's not trying with me, there's someone else that he's connecting with. So at some point you found marriage helper. You came across marriage helper. So how did, how did that happen? Um, well, uh, he agreed to do some counseling. Um, and, you know, for the weeks before that, before the second discovery, I guess, I had said, are we going to do counseling? Are we going to do counseling? And he kept saying, yeah, I'll call when I feel like it. I'll call when I feel like it. Um, and he never called. And so that day I was like, we are calling now. And I called and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed to the person on the phone. <laughs> and um, we went to counseling once together. And basically it was me sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And it ended up with them telling me that I needed to seek like drastic help for myself. And um, my husband was kind enough to say, um, I want you to know that her telling you that you need to seek help for yourself is not saying that this is your fault. And I was like, I really appreciated him saying that. Um, but I just, everything was going so slow. Um, and I just, I just felt like, you know what, if you're 500 pounds overweight, don't start a diet next week, start it today you know, let's get going. Let's get going. Let's fix something. Let's, let's move. And I, nothing was happening. And, um, I just, I just searched, you know, just searched on YouTube. Um, I don't even know what I searched for just something about marriage. And, and there were so many different videos that came up. And I remember I watched one with, um, Dr. Beam and it didn't, 
like there were so many videos I'd watched that it didn't really strike me in any way, but I read through the comments and someone said something about his voice being so soothing. And, um, and that was like, yeah, it really was, you know? And, and then I just moved on and kept searching and searching and I found another marriage helper video and I just kept like coming back to marriage helper videos. And I, then I just started saying, these are the videos I need to keep watching. Um, so I watched and watched and watched anytime I was, you know, it was, <laughs> it was obviously an extremely emotional time. Um, and anytime I was like, I can't handle life. I can't do this. I just, I just watched a marriage helper video and, and I don't know how, you know, the videos talk about the different things that are offered. And, um, at one, at some point I ended up signing up for the save my marriage course. It was awesome. Um, it was, it was a journey. So for those who haven't signed up for the save my marriage course, that's a really great first step. If you're in the same position as Roseanne and, um, your spouse wants out or is left. It's a 12 um, module course and you can do it from your own home. But then I, you also, after that, shortly after that, you went to the solo spouse workshop. So that's a workshop, yes. three day live workshop that's um, designed for exactly that, a spouse who wants to save their marriage. So how was that experience? It was, <laughs> it was so incredible. It was so, so incredible. It was, um, oh, I feel like if I could do everything again, of course I would make changes in my relationship, but if I could do the save my marriage stuff again, I would do it all exactly the same. Um, I feel like the save my marriage course, you know, because the, the workshops are so much information at once. Um, I feel like the save my marriage course prepared me to hear more in the workshops. Um, but it was, I mean, it was shortly after, but it felt so long in between the, the, um, the save my marriage course and the workshop where I was just, you know, continuing to, to do the workshop material and watch marriage helper videos and, um, try and get my husband to agree to go to the workshop and, and, you know, in the meantime, trying to go to counseling with him and, and things like that. And, um, then I went to the, the solo spouse workshop and it was, I could talk about it for hours. It was so amazing. Um, I, I probably annoyed everybody there because probably <laughs> like I asked more questions than anybody else. I was just like, I'm asking something here. I'm asking something there. I'm, I'm like, I'm picking Dr. Beam's brain like crazy because I'm trying to get everything out of it that I can and get all of my questions answered. And, um, it was so awesome in the, uh, in the lunch break on Sunday, the last day, I just knelt down and prayed and cried And I just prayed like, and told God, I don't know why I'm so blessed <laughs> because there are so many people struggling in their marriages and they don't have marriage helper. <laughs> and why am I so blessed to, to have found this and just 
that I know I'm going to be okay. And no matter what happens. And, um, it was just a prayer of so much gratitude because I, I have no idea where I would be without marriage helper. And, um, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be where I am now, which is not where I want to be, but it's so much improved and I am improving myself and I'm more stable myself and I'm learning more about myself and, um, the changes that I'm making are, my husband has made comments about why, you know, I hope you're not making these changes just for me because you're going to resent me. And I didn't have an answer until I wrote, like, I was like, no, I'm making them for my goals because this is where I want to be. And, um, I ended up writing him a letter. I haven't given to him. I, maybe I never will, but I, I wrote him a letter saying, I figured out that I was the one stopping myself from getting to where I wanted to be. And so the changes I'm making are not for you, but they're for, they're for me to stop stopping myself from reaching my goals and to stop stopping myself from having my dream of, um, you know, of great relationships and, um, and great healing and being able to move forward. So my stopping my pushes and increasing my pulls is I know marriage helper says, don't do it for the other person, do it for you. And so for a long time, it was like, what would he want? What would he want? What would he want? And I feel like there has been a shift in me where it's like, no, this is my dream. This is my goal. And this is where I want to be. And I'm going to make these changes for me to stop stopping myself to be able to reach my goals. About a week after you did the solar spouse workshop, then you managed to get your husband to come with you to the couples workshop. So how was that? Yes. Oh, <laughs> same. I mean, it was, it was different. Um, in that it was more of an emotional roller coaster. The solo spouse was more like, like I said, like, I can do this. Like I've got this. And it was motivating. It was just learning like crazy. And the couples workshop was, it was the same, but with him in the room, it was emotional inside. Just my emotions were strong. It was um, a lot of just hoping, just hoping and hoping and hoping and praying that he's getting stuff out of it. And, and he would answer in the, um, in the breakout rooms and it was, he would answer in ways that I was like, that was awesome. That was so good. Like he's listening and he's getting something out of this. And, and seeds are being planted and it's so amazing. And, um, we had the, the homework the first day and we, we actually had, um, pretty decent conversation. Um, it, I should say this <laughs> just, I guess, um, I had asked him several times to do the workshop and he never told me no, but it was always why, like, I don't want to do this. I I'll think about it. And, um, one of the counseling sessions we went to, um, 
the counselor said, you guys did really well. You should, you know, maybe you should go to dinner together and just continue this conversation. And he had said, that's fair. And so I was like, oh, he's agreed. We're going to go to dinner, you know? And, um, a couple of days later, I ended up asking him, um, Hey, you know, when the counselor mentioned maybe that we should go to dinner and it seemed like you were open to that. So, you know, maybe we could go to dinner and keep talking or, and he looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, maybe just to lunch or breakfast. So I tried to make it more casual. And he just, he just looked at me like I was a crazy person. Like I cannot believe that you would ask me to go anywhere with you. And I was like, I just thought that you had said like I I just started like stammering and and I was like never mind I I don't never mind you know I didn't I misunderstood and I walked away and started sobbing you know and and I um I was like there's no way that he'll ever go to a workshop with me he won't even go to lunch with me how is he going to do a 3 day workshop with me there's just no way um so I ended up asking him again and I probably wouldn't recommend, um, I, I, I asked him if he would go and he said he would think about it. And I was like, yeah, how do I know? I don't want to sit here and wait for him to think for a year and a half. I'm like, <laughs> so I was like, when will you give me an answer? And I, that's the part that I, I don't regret it because he ended up going, but I probably wouldn't recommend it because for the next week I was panicked. I was like, dang it. I've put an end, like I've put a line. And when he gives me the answer on that day, that's it. Like that's the answer because there's nothing open at the end of this. And so I was just panicking and worrying and praying and fasting and, uh, and just like, ah, there's no way he's going to go. Um, but he ended up telling me that he would go. He just said, he texted me. Um, I will go to the workshop, but I don't want you to expect anything from it. And I was like, done. I don't expect anything. I do not expect anything. And, um, my first thought was that doesn't mean that I can't hope I, I can, I can hope like crazy. And, and so I, I hoped and hoped and hoped and <laughs> that, that he would get so much out of it. Um, I would say one of the major differences is between the solo spouse workshop and the couples workshop is that, um, just the emotional roller coaster of the couples one. And I highly, highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, but like I said, after the solo one, I was very just on top of the world. Everything is going to be fine. I can do this. Um, and after the couples one, we ended up talking, we had some good conversation, but it was, he just, it wasn't an immediate change. And I hope so much for like just everything to just for the seeds to just grow, you know, right then just, um, that he would hear it and he would hear the truth of it, that he would know and that he would see and that just everything would change right then. And I hope so much. And I kept telling myself, don't, 
it's, it's probably not going to happen that way, but I still really hoped for it. And, um, and in our conversations after there were just some comments made that were just like, for one example. So do you feel like he said, do you feel like you can fall in love with anybody? And I said, yeah, I think so. If you follow the love path, you know, there's a, a basic, um, attraction then. Yeah. And he said, so then why don't we just move on and fall in love with somebody else? And I was just like, no, <laughs> no, that's no, there are a million reasons why not. Um, and so just things like that, where it was just like this, okay, we're talking and he's sharing bricks and we're communicating and it's good. And he, there are seeds planted, but it's still very not, not, he's not motivated to try with me. And, ah, it was hard. It was really hard. I, um, I was, I ended it being very motivated and, um, excited that seeds were planted, um, and seeing so many amazing things that he had said and that were said in the workshop. And, um, Oh, just, uh, there was a connection, I think between him and, um, and Ren in the workshop that their situations were similar in a lot of ways. Um, and even he ended up asking Ren a question and the answer was perfect. It was just like, this is my husband. One thing that was a shift in the workshop is like I had said, he had been very cold. Um, there were, you know, he, he kind of started coming back home for dinner more often and things like that, but there was still nothing toward me and not much toward the kids and things like that. So, um, in the workshop, they talk about anger and pain and he, that night they gave us homework and we started on the homework and he stopped it and said, I can't talk about this. I didn't realize how angry I still am at you. And I was just like, oh man. Okay. So we'll just come back to it later. And he's like, yeah. So he, he was very, very angry with me that, that night. And, um, and some, I guess some, it was hard for me emotionally, but I knew in my head that that was a good thing because he had blocked it out so much to feel nothing toward me and that he was being opened up and seeing, no, I'm still mad. Like I got to address this. Um, it was just, they, they really talked in the workshop about, um, the next day after talking about forgiveness and things and about healing yourself, um, we ended up talking about, I ended up saying I would really love, um, not now, but eventually at some point speaking for myself, trying to put little pressure, I, I would really love to do some of the, um, exploring reconciliation things, you know, just the first few steps. And he ended up saying, I can't do any of those with you till I heal myself. And I thought that that's huge 
that's really huge because, and, and you know, and my brain is like, oh shoot, what if he heals in the wrong way? What if he heals while he's still talking to her? And what if, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, but I just have to let that go. I can't do anything about it. So just seeing those seeds be planted and having him not say, no, I'm never doing reconciliation with you, but say, I have to heal myself. I have to get past this anger to you. And just seeing that he does have an emotion toward me. Um, it was a lot of really good stuff that I'm just, I just have to wait, you know, I just have to wait and keep being patient, which is not easy. Yeah. But. I mean, it sounds like you've come so far from that, that description that you had where you're screaming and hitting and exploding to where you are now. It's almost like a world apart. Um, yeah. And I can see the hope in you that your marriage will be, um, put back together but even if it isn't I can see that you're going to be just fine so if you if you were talking to someone who was in a hopeless situation and feeling like there was just no hope for their marriage what would you say to them right now well I I think it's pretty obvious that I would suggest that they look into marriage helper I never mentioned I have done coaching too um I've been I've been doing coaching with Rold and it has also been a lifesaver. Like every time I was, I was having a panic moment. I was like, I've got to schedule a coaching session. I've got to. And, um, and the way that it's just every single time I talked to him, it was like a mini version of that feeling of that I had in the solo spouse workshop of it's going to be okay. Like just reframing everything with the marriage helper glasses on and just saying, okay, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Like we're still on a journey and this is a way to look at it. And so I just, I highly recommend everything. I've never, I, there's been nothing from marriage helper that I've been a part of that I wouldn't recommend. Um, the coaching has been amazing. The save my marriage course was a, an, a perfect um, step to lead me to being able to to get what I got from the solo spouse workshop, and I love the solo spouse workshop. Um, being able to do that first, I think, was awesome. Um, to be able to ask all my questions and have it be such an open dialogue with everybody there, so amazing. Um, and then being able to go to the the workshop with my husband and just seeing. Um, seeing the seeds planted and um, just the whole, the whole journey. I, I would just, I would highly, highly, highly recommend marriage helper to anybody. Uh, I, in fact, I have said to my family and to, to friends, like everyone needs to go to this workshop. Everybody. If I had the money, I would pay for everyone I know to do it. Um, my sister who is not dating anybody, totally single, not even interested in dating. I would pay for her to go to this workshop. This is, it's, everybody should do it. It's amazing. So I recommend it not only to people in, in marriage crisis, but anybody who communicates with anyone ever. <laughs> That's a strong recommendation. Um, just as we wrap this up, I'm so happy you found Marriage Helper. I'm happy that you were found some healing and peace and hope 
for your situation um, and I wish you and your family all the best as this continues. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.